everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is damned. These are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take snakes in their hands. They will drink poison and not be hurt. They will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Then the master Jesus, after briefing them, was taken up to heaven, and he sat down beside God in the place of honor. And the disciples went everywhere preaching, the master working right with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. Welcome this morning to Victory Church. We're excited to have each and every one of you here today. It's a blessing to have all the moms here this morning. We just honor you. We wouldn't be here without you. How many of you thankful for your moms? Well, come on, let's really give them a hand this morning. Everybody, everybody in the house. So, so, so excited to be able to honor our mothers today and to... Acknowledge all that God's goodness is and has been to and through them. Uh, I'm thankful for my mom. She's 85 years old, just still making it, still giving God praise. Has a list of health problems longer than my arm, and in the middle of that, doesn't complain. And so I just give God praise for her. Mama, love you. You're an amazing woman of God. This morning, I'm excited to bring this to you in this closing message in the series, Elemental. We've been talking about um, the old world elements in the universe were four. They were air and fire and water and earth. Air, fire, water, and earth. And we've talked about air, the Holy Spirit, like a wind. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. We've talked about fire. After that wind blew, there was a fire that was left Tongues of fire set upon each one of them, and they all began to give God praise in multiples of languages. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection. The resurrection was the culmination and the celebration of the Passover lamb being accepted by God. The resurrection is the end of the story. So many times in evangelical Christianity in the late 20th and the early 21st century, so many times all you hear is about Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. And that's really not the whole story because he didn't just die for you. He got up out of the grave and was raised and now you're saved by his life. Everybody say he was raised for me. Now, what I want you to see this morning is it's not just that he died for you and took your sins and credited his righteousness to your account and took all of the sins of the whole world upon him and was punished by God. Theologically, we refer to it as the substitutionary sacrifice. Literally, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus for everything that you and I deserved so that when we stand before God, that we will get what we don't deserve, and that is his grace and his favor and his mercy Come on, somebody, are you thankful for that this morning? Amen? I'm thankful today for his death and his burial, but I'm also so grateful because the story wouldn't have been finished if he hadn't gotten up out of the grave. If he, if he hadn't 
appeared to the disciples as we just read in this passage in the Gospel of Mark and he scolded them because some of those guys who had been with him for three and a half years now at this point actually didn't believe the testimony of others who had seen him alive. And he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Say those two words with me. Stubborn unbelief. I believe unbelief is probably one of the most critical factors in limiting us to God's blessing that we can possibly have. Uh, Unbelief really is the biggest sin. If any of us stand before God and we're not received into heaven, it won't be for all of the other things. It will be for the one sin of unbelief that is not putting our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That is the big one. But even though most of the people in this room have believed Jesus, you've believed in Him, you've believed that He is Alive, you believe that He is your Savior. Too much of the time we walk and live our lives in unbelief about all of the other amazing promises that otherwise could be ours because of unbelief, because of doubt, because of fear. I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit and the earth because we have a mission. The Holy Spirit, like a wind, was adventure. God has called you out of mediocrity into a life of adventure. One of the most exciting lives on the planet is to give your life to Jesus and follow him. It is not this little go to Sunday school, put on a fake grin kind of a thing like we play in Southern churchianity. It is a life that absolutely will impact you. It will change everything around you. It will get into your family. It'll get into your finances. It'll get into your relationships. It will turn your job around. It will bless your business. The gospel is all inclusive. It is all encompassing. It it is all comprehensive. It will touch every aspect of your life and take it out of the point where you once were being stolen from by the enemy of your soul, and he will cause you to begin to walk in life and life more abundantly. Can I have an amen? I think it's critical that we understand that. One thing that I want to give to you this morning, and I'm trying my best to really learn how to preach what we call one-point messages, and that's to really drive home one idea. And so the one idea that I want to bring to you this morning in this message is this, and I want you to look with me, and I want you to say this. The one thing is this. Let's look at it. Say it together. God has saved us for a purpose, called us to a mission, and empowered us to finish it. Now You got it now. Let's do it together. Here we go. With some zeal, with some vigor, enthusiasm. God has saved us for a purpose, called us to a mission, and empowered us to finish it. Now, let's move it out of the us. It's collective. We know that, that all of us can do more than one of us, but I want to make it personal to realize that, yes, we are the body, the us, but we are also members in particular. Everybody say me. I want everybody right now to just to say your name right here. Here we go. Michael. All right, that's us. But now when we quote it this time, I want you to say me in that place. Here we go. God has saved me for a purpose and called me to a mission and empowered me to finish it. Are you hearing that this morning? Because sometimes we can get lost in the us and go, oh, I'm so glad I'm on a team. Thank God I'm on a team. The team's going to win. But we can go away thinking like we are not really fully contributing members of the team. It's just the grace of God that he's let me be on this team. That's true for every one of us. But I want to tell you, there is something alive, something powerful, something that cannot die, something that cannot be overcome, something that cannot be defeated, that is working and living down on the inside of you as an individual. We were born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides 
forever. The DNA of God, say it's in me. It's in me. That's why we're singing that song over and over and letting it build and bringing an awareness to you, each and every one of you in this congregation. The same power that conquered the grave is in me. Your love that rescued the earth, this isn't us, but we need to get it. It's in me. Why, why, so pastor, so why do you get on it and you guys sing it 14, 15 times? You want to know why? Because faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes when you're coming in here already in a deficit, I'm not going to tell off on anybody this morning, but you know, I have one in college and he's doing a good job learning how to manage his money. And the first of the month he gets an allowance and only a time or two, and I just, I'm so proud of him. He's just growing. He's getting ready. He's in his last year, going to graduate, and, and I'm excited about that. Not graduate this month, but graduate this next year, and I'm just so proud of Drew. He went to Spain. He's here today, but I mean, I've done this before. My mom had to help me out. You know, we've all had times where it just, you, you get to the end of the month, and you've got more month than you have money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, and you know, if you've already kind of been living off of next month's money, and you don't know it, but the bank's actually showing you in a negative Balance, NSF, not so much fun. <laughs> and you get charged for not having so much fun. And when you put that allowance in there and then you've already been living off of next month, sometimes you start out at a deficit. We come in here in this service on Sunday morning bedraggled and slammed and we've been pressured. We've been under stress We've had deadlines. We've had bosses that have hollered at us, sometimes for what we legitimately can say was no reason, got blamed for stuff that we shouldn't even have been involved in. Our names shouldn't even been brought up. And you come in here with all this stuff, and plus you've got the, the care of your family and, and all of the stuff that you're dealing with, with finance and relationships and children and just praying for them that God keeps them safe and protected from all the junk that's out there in society and in the, sometimes in the neighborhood that you're living in, maybe the next door to you, and you're just trusting God with all of that stuff. And you come in here on Sunday morning and somebody says, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> and you're just like, I dare you to motivate me to get some praise on. <laughs> now that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's what we face as a worship team. We look at all of that. We look at that collective weight. We looked at that burden. And sometimes it takes a few songs to help us to get rid of all the stuff, the baggage that we've carried up in this room with us and to get our focus off of all of the problems and just lift up our eyes if it's just for 30 seconds. When we begin to see that our problems are not a focus anymore, but the bigness of the God that we serve... we can just for a couple of moments and a collective spirit of unity can touch that and begin to see the presence of God move and drop and fall and arise and circle around us. It's in moments like that when we go out of here energized to realize that God has saved me and he's called me to a mission and he's empowered me to finish it. I'm going to ask you to say it a few more times. Here we go, everybody. God has saved me and called me for a purpose. I mean, sorry, let's get it right. God saved me for a purpose and called me to a mission and I need to finish it.
Now it's starting, the faith is starting to grow. Say it again. God saved me for a purpose, called me to a mission, and empowered me to finish it. Now let's shift back to us now. Here we go. God saved us for a purpose, called us to a mission, and empowered us to finish it. Come on, one more time. God saved us for a purpose, called us to a mission, and empowered us to finish it. That's the message that I'm going to bring to you this morning. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit takes these words. I acknowledge before you, Lord, and all these people that I can't do anything apart from you. Let the strength that is faith and the joy of the Lord that is our portion, let it arise in this place this morning. Strengthen the hand of every mother. Lord, we rejoice with our brothers and sisters because of the great gift that's been given to us and our moms. We bless them this morning. Lord, for those whose mom is enjoying her eternal reward, comfort the hearts of my brothers and sisters. Be with them. Thank you that that mom is in your presence enjoying the fullness of joy. We give you praise today in this service and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I believe that one of the books of the Bible probably has the wrong name. Um, Typically in Scripture, the names of the books of the Bible were given by either the author, the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel is good news, the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to John. Those are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John after their authors. Paul wrote the epistles and they are named... Not after the author every time, because those letters that he wrote, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the saints which are at Ephesus. And so that letter is called the letter to the Ephesians, or Philippians, or Colossians, or 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Timothy. Now those were written, both of those letters, to one young man. So they were written, they were called what they were written to, by the name of the person to whom they were written. The Acts is the book that when it was translated and the canon was put together, it actually should be called Luke 2. Everybody say Luke the second part. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so when the printers, especially of the 1611 King James Version of Scripture, printed the book of Acts, they stuck on it. Not anything that's in the title, not anything that author wrote, but they called it the Acts of the Apostles. And I just want to submit to you this morning that that's not the right name for the book. It really, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because technically it's just Acts. There weren't just apostles there. Matter of fact, there were some prophets there. One guy by the name of Agabus, which totally messes up some of the seminarians' particular Uh, ways of looking at things because they say that it was the prophets were all in the Old Testament and the apostles are all in the New. And I just want to tell you, that's just, I I want to debunk that. That's not even reality. Because there's still apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers alive today. I still believe in the apostolic. I still believe in the prophetic. There was a prophet that prophesied to Paul. There was a prophet that laid hands on Paul and got the scales removed from his eyes after he had had the Damascus Road experience. So the prophets didn't end with Malachi. The Italian got Malachi. (laughs) Prophets still existed on through the New Testament. Apostles, I do believe, 
are still for us today. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That book is something that I truly believe, even though I know the canon of the Scripture has been closed and we don't add anything to it, we don't take anything away from it, I do believe that the Acts of the Holy Spirit is something that God truly desires to continue in your life. And I'm so excited that two people came today ready to stand in agreement with the Word of the Lord. Thanks, guys. I don't know where you were. I heard it. Everybody say, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. What is our one thing? Say it one more time. God saved us for a purpose, called us to a mission, and empowered us to finish it. I believe with all of my heart that the acts of the Holy Spirit are still for us today. If you take the Bible and you go to any foreign country around the world and you share the gospel and you see the transformational power come into the life of a young man, young lady, and you give them the New Testament and you tell them, lock yourself in a room and come out after you've finished from Matthew to Revelation, every one of them will come out believing that this Jesus who has just touched them and radically changed their life is the same Jesus who will do for them right now today what he did 2,000 years ago. It takes stinking religious people to try to remove all of that and tell you that it doesn't happen anymore today. Come on, Linda. I feel your support, honey. Help me today. It it takes stinking people who've been trained in seminaries. And I believe in education. My wife says you're the perpetual student going to school continually. I believe in education, but I'm going to tell you something. There's something education won't do, and that is a living, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who does not change. He's the God who keeps His Word. He's the God of His promise. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching real good. Do you know it yet? The one thing is God has saved us for a purpose. He's called us to a mission, and He's empowered us to finish it. It's to the ends of the earth. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me quote King Jimmy. It says, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm going to give it to you one more time. King James said it this way. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive what? Power. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Notice it doesn't say you'll go witnessing. It says you will be witnesses unto me. Witnesses to God. It's it's not the kind of witnessing. And let me tell you, we need to actively be evangelistic. We need to be telling people about Jesus. But this is something that is so powerful. If you can grasp this, this is the realization of the same power that conquered the grave is on the inside of you because that power that comes in you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He says it will make you bold so that you can be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea. And it starts in concentric circles. Jerusalem was the center of their world at that point. And then Judea and then Samaria. And then he says, unto the uttermost parts, to the ends of the earth. That is my first point this morning. That is the bigness of our vision. That is how much God has called us to see the glory of the Lord. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's to the ends of the earth. It's not just about praying for a missionary. It's not just about actually trusting God and getting your faith level up and saying, hey, man, I'm going to go myself. I, I want to go to Haiti and help rebuild some huts for people to live in. I, I want to go to Zimbabwe. I want to go to China. I want to go to Europe. I want to see the, the, the power and the presence of God revitalize a whole civilization that once was alive 
with the gospel, but now calls itself post-Christian. Our mission, we've been saved for a purpose. We've been called to a mission, and we've been empowered to finish it, to complete it. We have to realize that this thing is bigger than we are. It's bigger than any one of us can accomplish by ourselves. But we all have a part because he has saved me. He has called me. He has empowered me so that I can be a part of the larger us for the purpose and for the mission and the finishing. Hallelujah. Peter said, Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Let me just tell you, this promise is for you today. Somebody said, well, you know, I, Pastor Michael, I love your preaching. I love the excitement. Man, the worship's great. and The music is really speaking to me. And I, I can feel the presence of God when I come in this place. And I, I leave feeling encouraged and knowing that God is for me. And that, that if God be for me, nobody can be against me. I, I leave with that. But I just, I'm not so sure yet about this Holy Spirit thing. I've, I've been taught my whole life that it was specifically for them. And that, yes, the Holy Spirit is in me as a, someone who's been saved. I've been born again. But I just, don't, I just don't know. I just don't think all that's for us today. That's what I was taught after all. And I just want to help undo that this morning. Because the Bible says, the promise is for you today. Say that with me. The promise is for you Today, the Bible says in second, the, the second chapter of the book of Acts, Peter said in verse 38, Change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen. This, I'm reading from the message. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away. Whomever, in fact, our master God invites. Now, you know what? I, I love Eugene Peterson's The Message. It just puts it down in the everyday lingo. It puts it in the street vernacular. Man, whoever God decides to invite, he's throwing a big party. This is bigger than just any one small group. But for some of you who might feel like that, oh, you just can't, can't really quite feel the Holy Ghost unless you hear it in King James. Here we go. Says it this way, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and re you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I just want to ask you, has God called you to a mission? Has he saved you for a purpose? Somebody say amen. So one more time, say God saved me for a purpose. He called me to a mission. And guess what? He empowered me to finish it. This promise is for you and for your children. It's for your babies and your grandbabies and your great-grandbabies and your great-great-great multiplied great as many times. God never stopped pouring this out. He wants to pour it out into the hearts of people who are ready to receive the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. To you, he says... Let me get it back again. To you, he says, to each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and to your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, the Master God invites. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you were invited. Isn't that good? I want to give you one example. One example, and I'm finished this morning. I want to show you what it means to have a life on a mission, to be alive on a mission. There's nothing as exciting as knowing what we're doing right now, wrapped up in a purpose of something that is bigger than you are, called, empowered to finish 
what God has given you the authority to finish. Nothing is so exciting. That's adventure. That's elemental adventure. The wind blows through it. That's elemental power. The fire of God's on it. That's elemental passion. It, it's being filled with the water of God that's turned into wine that gives us joy. And this morning we see why. It's to take this thing to the whole earth. Everybody say the whole earth. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, I'm not going to read this story, but I just want to remind you about a little man who had been born lame. And every day, he would be laid by his family at the gate that was called Beautiful. And in Acts chapter 3, it records the story one day after the resurrection, after Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and Peter stands up, a man possessed by the power of God, by the presence of God, and he stands up and preaches with conviction. This is the same guy who denied Jesus just 52, 3, 4 days prior. Jesus restored him for every one time he denied Christ. Jesus said, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> yes, Lord. And then it hit him. Jesus had asked him to be recharged with a fresh vision, with a fresh purpose, and empowered him to carry out that mission and finish it. For every one time that Peter had denied Jesus, Jesus had injected a fresh degree of courage into his life. He said, i got a job for you to do, Pete. I know you think you blew it beyond description, but I'm telling you, that's gone. It's in the past. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and you remember thousands came to the knowledge of, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, recognizing that the resurrected one was living among them. Power of God fell. People were visiting from all over the known world. Bithynians and, and Medes and all of these various ones heard praises of God in their own tongue, in their own language. So there was a miracle happening that day. Not only the miracle of the gift of languages, of glossolalia, of speaking in tongues, but also the miracle of healing, because, hearing rather, because all of these people heard the praises of God in their own native language. So hearing was taking place as well. Now, Peter and John are walking along. And they see this man, and the man cries out, and he does what he does. He's been doing it now for years and years and years. He's never walked a day in his life. His mother never stood him up on his feet and saw him take the first step. Mom and dad never sat together and clapped, seeing little Junior walk in between them and take a step and fall and then stand up and take another step because he had been lame from birth. He'd been laid out there for so long that he was used to begging. He had his tin cup. He would cry alms. Peter and John came walking to the temple that day and it was a day that was going to change that man's life because he looked up at them and he said alms. He said alms. He was rattling his beggar's cup and they turned around and Peter and John looked at him and they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What Such as I have, I give it unto you. And the Bible says that power went out of the hands of those believers whom God had made disciples, who had become apostles, sent ones to be witnesses of the resurrected Christ. And the Bible says that man got up, something happened in him, his ankle bones, the Bible says, began to receive strength. And two miracles took place that day. It wasn't just 
the fact that God healed him, but he got up and began to walk and dance and give God praise. And if you remember, there's no baby who's ever learned how to walk and dance and give God praise in one day. It usually takes weeks for little babies to get up. But there were two miracles that took place that day. He got healed and he learned how to walk. And the Bible says he went walking and leaping and dancing and praising God. Well, yeah, pastor, but that was just, man, I just so wish I would have been alive in that day. If I could have just been born, you know, about 29, 30 AD, if I could just been on the shores of Galilee, how wonderful it would have been to have been in those crowds and saw what Jesus did. Let me tell you something. I don't long for days like that. I believe that God sovereignly made me be born in 1960. And he's saved me for a purpose in my generation. He's called me to a mission in my generation. He's empowered me so that I can finish that calling in my generation. And let me just say something to you right now. When you run a race, when you run a relay race and one generation passes that baton to the next one, you always put those who are the fastest at the end of the race. And if I can inject a little bit of courage into you this morning, if this is the end times, if we are in the last days, that ought to inject some realization that God has some confidence on the inside of you. He's aware that you can do what He's called you to do because He's put the best runners at the end of the race so you can catch up. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? God saved you for a purpose. He called you to a mission. He's empowered you so that you can actually finish it. I love this. Listen, the message says, Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what do I have? I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. The Bible says he got up and walked. St. Augustine, 4th century African bishop of Hippo wrote City of God, wrote the Confessions of Augustine, laid the foundation of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that Calvin and Luther would then take up 1,100 years later in the 1500s. He laid the foundation for that in his works, and his writings. He was trying to hold the Roman Catholic Church at that point to a realization that it's not a works-based relationship. It is by grace alone. Augustine was preaching that. And somebody walked up to him one day. He was a great man of influence, powerful African man of influence, Bishop of Hippo. And, and they said to him, you know, they were talking about this passage in Acts chapter 3, and they said, you know, no longer does the church have to say anymore. This was in the 4th century. Silver and gold have we none. And Augustine, being very astute, turns and he looks at him and he says, Yes, but I'm sad to say that neither can the church at his present state can say, Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The church had already reached a period of great material prosperity. And they saw their source in the stuff Cotton Mather, the great Puritan preacher who was part of the founding generation, the planting generation of America, come, came and preached the unswerving everlasting gospel. And he said, he said, religion birthed, gave birth to prosperity, and the daughter consumed the mother. Religion birthed prosperity because of the Puritan work ethic. They worked like it all depended on them and they prayed like it all depended on God. And I'm going to tell you something. That was built into the fiber, into the DNA of the early American civilization. That's what we're missing today. If we can work like it depends on us, but pray and know that ultimately it depends on God, we can see this nation turned around again. 
I believe with all of my heart that if we put our trust and our credit cards and our ingenious kinds of ways to manipulate our circumstances and try to cause the market to do this or that or the other or sell short or high or long or fat or wide or whatever. If we can put our trust in God and know and yes, be educated and be sharp and and use all of those things as tools but know, work like it depends on us but pray like it depends on God and seek His face for His wisdom. God will bring blessing to you and to your life and to your business and to your home and to your marriage and to your children and to our churches. Again, I believe that with all of my heart. So why then don't we see that today? I believe we don't see it today because of the very thing Jesus had to rebuke the original disciples for. Everybody say unbelief. 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 One guy said, hey, listen, Jesus, I know you can do it. Belief is not the issue. Help thou my unbelief. I'm struggling with this. One cannot adequately argue the end of miracles or the doctrine of cessation that has been for 150, 160 years, put forth particularly by one great Presbyterian preacher by the name of B.B. Warfield, Benjamin Warfield. It was scooped up by the Baptists that began to proclaim it and preach it. And it was basically a, a knee-jerk to all of the, some of the ridiculous, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but anytime I start mentioning names or I start mentioning groups, there is the potential to offend people. And I don't want to do that. That's not my heart. But there were so many ridiculous claims of the miraculous in the Roman Catholic Church for a number of years that Warfield knee-jerked and went against that. Because just crazy claims of people getting healed with a leftover splinter from the cross. There is a place in Italy that you can go to where they have, and I, I, I just, just shut your ears, I don't want to offend you, but they have a shrine to the foreskin of Jesus. Everybody say, help him, Lord. Why did he have to tell that? (laughs) That's the kind of ridiculous stuff I'm talking about. And you know what? Let me just say this. Let's don't throw off on our Roman Catholic friends because you can tune into late night television and you can see any number of guys that will sell you holy water that didn't no more come for the stream of of, of the Jordan River than anything. They they buy it en masse. All the holy water. Kids are coming in. I'm going to wrap this thing up in just a second. Come on in, children. You can just stand in the back. Just stand back there quietly because I'm almost done. Maybe I'm asking too much in faith there for that. <laughs> How did this happen? It happened because of faith in the name of Jesus. Everybody say faith. The Bible says in Acts 3.16, Faith in Jesus' name, put this man whose condition you know so well on his feet. Yes, faith and nothing but faith. Put this man healed and hold right before your eyes. I just finished Craig Rochelle's powerful book called Christian Atheists, and he basically asks one question. He says, do you believe in Jesus? Everybody say yes. Now, the question is not do you believe in Jesus, it's do you believe Jesus? How you answer that question will change your life. Say this with me this morning. I believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus. I believe his promises. I believe his words. The Bible says, and I really am finished right here. Acts chapter 4. I planned this today. Doing pretty good. Thank you, children, for being quiet. Somebody says, well, but weren't these guys special? Wasn't there something very different about them? Acts chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. 
They couldn't take their eyes off of them. Peter and John standing there so confidently, so sure of themselves, their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in Scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus. King James says it this way, they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men who had been with Jesus. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell them right now, you don't have any more excuses. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough money. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a communicator. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too much of this. I'm too little of that. You just plug in your blank. You don't have any more excuses. Because if God can take a motley crew of 12 guys and turn them into world changers that turn the world upside down, God can do that in your life. He saved you for a purpose. He called you to a mission, and he empowered you to finish it. Come on. You know what? This whole thing really is. That was my little alarm right there. I said it, and I just made it. Yeah. Miracles never cease. That's right. I had an alarm come on, so I knew I'd hit my spot right there. I love every one of you with all of my heart. You know what I hate? I hate it is when folks limit themselves because of fear, because of a lack of understanding. The Bible says people perish for lack of vision. Hosea 4, 6 says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That doesn't have to be the case in this place. We can know that Jesus loves us. He is for us. He is our coach. He's on our team. He's going to make this thing. We'll play extra innings in this game until you win because no weapon that is formed against you can prosper because the greater one is on the inside of you because you are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. Come on, all I'm doing is just trying to encourage you this morning. But you know what? All of that is null and void unless you have become a companion of Jesus Christ yourself. I want you to bow your head with me, please, in this moment. Gracious God and Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus for your blessing upon us. I ask you, Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that they would recognize and realize that from the foundation of the world, you had your eye upon that one, upon him, upon her. Lord, you knew the time that they would be born. You knew the family that they would be born into. And Lord, you've orchestrated each of those moments in their lives, Lord, to bring them to this place. Help us, O oh Lord, to recognize that all we have to do to be your companion is to say, Jesus, this one, this one name, salvation is found in no other, no other name but the name of Jesus. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, save me. I would just ask you right now, if you're sitting here in this service this morning, every head still bowed, every eye still closed, you're under the sound of my voice, and the Father has stirred your heart, and you just want to say, Pastor, as you pray right now, I want you to pray for me, because I want to know Jesus as a companion. I want to walk with Him. You've stirred my heart. I believe you've given me a picture of what real Christianity is supposed to be about. A life of adventure, not mediocrity. A life of power where God comes in and His strength is made manifest in our weaknesses. A life of passion, prioritizing Him and putting Him first. I just ask you right now, if anything of that relates to you and you want to be included in this prayer, would you just slip your hand up for just a moment?
Yes, there's a couple right there. Anybody else in the room? <coughs> Father, I just thank you. There's another one over there. I thank you for my brother. Thank you for each of these this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody if you would just lift up this little prayer with me today. Just say it right now. Father, thank you for your word. I heard it. I receive it. You've saved me for a purpose. And I just ask you right now to make that known to my heart. I confess my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. I repent. I turn from sin. I turn to you. I give you my life. Take control. It's all your In Jesus' name I pray. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be the ruler of my heart. I ask you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. I just want to ask you this morning.